You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, and I'm joined with my co-host, Robert Jackson. Rob, how are you doing today? Are you ready for some football? I think that's what we're ready for, right? No more college football realignment. Just football. That's what we want. Football. (laughs) It's so close. You can taste it, right? Like once August, uh, once the calendar turns over to August, it's like you you put you put baseball away. You know, I'm I'm sorry, and I know you're a big Yankees guy, and you love baseball. Baseball will pick back up for me in October. When you know, once the you know World Series picks back up, but uh, not having a a team that I really cheer for outside of you know when the Angels are good. So you you can call me a bandwagon. I know, I know, but uh, I, I, hey, I served my mission down there, so I, I at least have some sort of tie into the area. Anyway, well, August for me is football season. Like we're ready to go, and we're, I mean, week zero. I, I hate how they do the week zero. I just just kick the season off. Like everybody should start at the same time. Like this week zero stuff is kind of weird, but uh, I think the first game is like the August twenty third, right? Like week mm-hmm. zero. Utah State versus UConn. I mean, everybody's going to be tuning into that game. <laughs> hey, it's football, so I think actual people will be tuning into football. that. I, hey, I will. I'll, I'll be one of those people. So, um, you know, fall camp starts on Wednesday, and this is an exciting time. We just had Pac-12 Media Day, you know, last week. It, you know, Most other conferences do media days. You know, when I first started this endeavor and Utah first got into the Pac-12, they did do media days, and now they've truncated it down to – a single day. I think the single day actually works better, in my opinion. I mean, I understand the no, reasons. Oh no, no! I mean, you want you want you want that you want more storylines. You want sure. You know, I don't know. But how how much it, more are you really going to get? I mean, yeah, I, I guess you can have it where you've got okay, the coaches one day, and then you've got the players the next day, so you get more time with them. But ultimately, like, it's all still a bunch of you know prefab comments and everything before you really get into is. that. So I don't know. I mean, so, I, it's I mean, fine. It, it, it is August twenty seventh. The, the the week zero games kick off, and I already I already telling know, people wrong things, Rob. Come on. I know. I'm just leading everybody Four astray. I'm just really really excited <laughs> for you know the media poll that came out that had Utah picked at the top, and Number I think that's one. so deserving for this Utah team. They you know they went to the Rose Bowl, they fought neck and neck with Ohio State. They only had one conference loss last season. They, they deserve to be picked as a preseason favorite and you know when you're returning that much talent both on both sides of the football on offense and defense you deserve the um the benefit of the doubt and it's it was you know comforting to see the rest of the media agree with us in picking utah as you know number one it's it's funny Uh, you should mention that though because when it came out i i voted for it i put utah's number one so it wasn't necessarily uh a change for me obviously everybody's looking at utah as as one of these top teams in the in the country but i was a little surprised at how many first place votes that they did get i was kind of expecting usc and oregon to to at least maybe still a few more but oregon had them or no it was usc had the second most with only five utah had 26 so I, I think there there is a general consensus that Utah is the team to beat in the Pac-12. Sure, they're the defending Pac-12 champions, so I mean that gives them some instant credibility. But I think there's there's a lot going for them in that respect. There there is, and the 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 vibe in general. Were you were you pleased with the way that the leadership of the Pac-12 presented their case? The way that 
kind of the state of the Pac-12. Were you pleased with how George handled that and with how, you know, the the leadership, the athletic directors, the head coaches, did they say the right things or was it just kicking the can down the road like, oh, we're not really sure what's going on here? I mean, I, I think they, they said the right things in the sense that it was like, look, we're unified. We're in this together. You know, we still love USC and UCLA and we'll keep them as long as we can. Um, but I don't I don't know if there was necessarily anything that that. You know, you can come away from Pac-12 media days as saying, you know, okay, here's their plan. Here's what they're going to do. Sure, George Klyavkov, he, you know, he outlined three different factors that he he wanted to explore, you know, the media rights value and being able to, you know, expand and do different things that way. But they were still kind of really rote, um, safe uh, options being able to, to look into that. You know, his prepared remarks, they were fine. There's nothing wrong with his prepared remarks. He got in there, he talked about all the struggles of, of NIL or or the struggles of college, re, um, you know, conference realignment. But at the same time, there wasn't really necessarily some earth-shattering situation. He didn't come out there and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. But I don't think he necessarily needed to, right? I, I, at the same time, like, he, he needed to provide some stability. You know, this was his first comment since, you know, this whole thing went down. And he needed, he needed to provide stability. And so I think he did that in that respect. I think he was able to give, you know, anybody that was paying attention some hope, so to speak. Um, but I still, my, my favorite thing is, is when he was asked about this, he still is, is talking about, you know, looking these people in the eyes. We, we saw how that worked with the, the alliance with the Big Ten and the ACC. You know, they didn't have a formal agreement in this alliance. And all it was is we looked each other in the eyes and, you know, and we, we kind of shook on it type thing. But but that's the same thing that's going on here. Yeah, you, you've got some value and you, you could move forward with this conference. But really, there there's no guarantee here. And I, and I, I truly do think that the Pac-12 is in a fine situation right now. But there's no guarantee. You know, it, it really is going to come down to the media valuation that this is, this is going to happen, which is going to take place after the Big Ten is done. And, and, and then that'll ultimately determine, okay, is the Pac-12 a viable solution or is this just kicking the can down the road? What did you think? Yeah, we, we did get some some viable uh, information out of Pac-12 Media Day. You know, we, we learned that these negotiations with the media rights in particular are going to take months, right? It's not something that everybody keeps throwing this August 4th deadline through the air. And, and technically that's true. That's the 30-day the window is going to expire for ESPN and Fox to have exclusive bidding rights. And they'll have that to renew a, that, yeah, right? Unless, unless you know... Um, you know, the Pac-12 can extend that. They can do what they want, right? Like if they want to extend that exclusive window, they can. But that doesn't mean that ESPN has, they have to accept a bid before the fourth. They can accept it three months from now. They can accept it a year from now. The, the longer you go down the road though, the more unstable the rest of the teams become, right? And it's, and it's kind of like this Jenga block where all it takes is one piece. Like, you know, if Arizona tomorrow announced, hey, we're going to the big 12. Well, does, you know, Arizona State, follow does colorado follow does utah follow does you know the i mean if stanford gets invited to the big 10 what does that do to washington and oregon you know everybody keeps talking about well oregon and washington are are a sure thing but i i almost say that stanford's relationship with notre dame would almost make it more lucrative you know plus it's you know billion dollar endowment trillion dollar i don't even know how much it is but the stanford the the brand for stanford at football isn't you know this the last few years hasn't been as strong but you look back you know 10 years they had andrew luck they were in in uh you know the championship game they they did really well for um themselves in in making a name and 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 people forget how good of a coach that david shaw is so i it 
there's so many things that could happen, but it was nice to see, okay, this, this process is going to take a while, right? The second thing is they expect these meteorites to, to be in the middle of the pack. No, no pun intended, but in the middle of the road, as far as all compared to the other conferences, it's not going to be as lucrative as the big 10. It's not going to be as lucrative as, as the sec, but if you can be third, well, suddenly you have value in sticking together. And for these 10 programs, if they do, don't expand, for these 10 programs to stick together, if if they can get the third largest meteorites valuation, more than the ACC, more than the Big 12, well, suddenly everybody wants to stay together and there's value in that. Well, and there's, there's a double-edged sword there, right? Because I think you look at it and you say, okay, the Pac-12 gets the, the position to be able to follow the Big 10. They know exactly what the Big 10 is going to do. They know what valuations they've got. You know, if Fox decides to take the sole, you know, proprietary, you know, media rights, whatever that, whatever you want to call it, maybe, you know, CBS gets in a little bit. ESPN has, you know, the full opportunity to be able to get there. That 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 benefits them in the sense that okay, you can strike a deal that's that's really could I don't want to say lucrative compared to those other two conferences, but you get an opportunity to strike where the iron's hot. But at that same respect, you could be like the ACC where you think you're making a good deal, and then a year later when the Big Twelve does it, they get an even bigger deal, right? And so I think there's there's you know a, a difference there where this could be very beneficial to the Pac-12 because now you've got people that are hungry for inventory, they're ready to go. Or it could be a situation where you lock yourself down. It'll, you know, the reports are anywhere from four to seven years will be the next grant of rights. That that could be good, but then you could also, you know, limit yourself with what what happens with the Big Twelve. I think I think that's what happened with the Pac twelve the first time. You know, they signed this deal. You you know, Larry gets up there and he's telling everybody about this great Pac twelve networks and the universities are going to own it and we're going to sign this. I think it was twelve year deal. And, and at the time, the valuation seemed really great, right? And then all of a sudden, all these other conferences, they go in and they get their deals. And it was just night and day difference. They were getting a ton of cash. They were getting a ton of, you know, broadcast rights and being able to do whatever they wanted to with, with everything, you know, accessible to the general populace. And then all of a sudden, the Pac-12 deal seemed really terrible. And so I don't, I don't know if it's going to be one of those situations where it's great for Utah or it's going to be a situation where it's like, it's great for a year and then now the Big 12 is going to come in and and change that now that could change with expansion and other stuff but you know what i mean that that that's a difficult spot it it is but the the one thing that the pac-12 has for it they do own that network and they own all of the uh technology that goes into it and so if you're look if you're you know somebody trying to get into the college football game somebody that doesn't have that technology somebody that needs that you know infrastructure you know such as you know potentially an amazon or a Hulu or something like that, you know, maybe that provides additional value where they can, you know, get into, you know, a more of a, a, a stronger media right negotiation to, to be able to hold these 10 teams together. And one of the things that they could look into is expansion. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the article in the LA times last week that uh, one of the, uh, Things that we learned, you know, from uh, media interviews in the PAC in the Pac-12 Media Day was that USC shot down uh, expansion that the Pac-12 discussed last season after you know the the big blow when Oklahoma and Texas left to the SEC. The you know George Klavikov says, okay, let's let's look at a committee. Let's let's see if we want to expand. Let's look at the. Uh, the you know potential here and 30 minutes into the presentation usc's president says nope we're done uh, why are we even looking at this she this didn't is, even this is see silly. the value of it that's the crazy thing. i mean didn't it, it didn't, didn't make even sense. let them present 
didn't even let them present the argument. And uh, so it kind of killed it right there on site. And you wonder, you know, what, what were the teams? Everybody's speculating what the teams are. I, I guarantee at least one of them was in Texas. Um, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to, to know, <laughs> you know, that, that the Texas market is very lucrative. And if you're uh, the Pac-12 and you have the opportunity to go into Texas, I mean, they tried to do it in 2010. Uh, that's part of the reason that Utah's even in the Pac-12 was uh, Larry Scott tried to get Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma to go to the Pac-12. They said no, and for whatever reason, at the last minute, Colorado had already jumped, and you know there was a seat for Utah. And you know, as it, it, you think about being in the best position at the right time, I mean, that was Utah. They were just coming off another. Um, Sugar Bowl win over Alabama in 2008. They had already had the Fiesta Bowl win in 2004. The resume was through the roof. I mean, it, there was the obvious candidate right now. If you look at right now, and I'm going to ask you this, you know, I want your more of your opinion than what than uh, than anything. But I want you to, to just look at the the candidates out there for the Pac-12. Is it worth looking at expansion at this time, or should Utah and the rest of the the nine kind of just stick together and, and make it a, a Pac-10 again? See, this, in my opinion, I think, yes, expansion is possible, but I think in some ways you do have to poach the Big 12, right? And George Klyavkov talked about that, and we can, we, can, <laughs> we can play that in just a second. But I think, uh, you know, one of the, the things is, is, okay, you go San Diego State. They, they made it very clear in Pac-12 media days that the L.A. market is very valuable to them. Now, San Diego State isn't in the L.A. market, but it is Southern California, and it gets close, right? So I think that gives you some value. Now, with that, you could go to SMU. Yes, you get the Texas, you know, do all that stuff. But why not go poach Houston before they go to the Big 12? Go get Houston, go get, you know, some other schools. And if it works, you know, especially if you can show a good media valuation, why, you know, if you can get Houston, that's huge. Because then you you get that market, you get a huge, you know, Texas market, and then you're completely changing the ballgame. Now, you know, Houston is an up and down team. You know, I think if you give them more money and give them more, you know, uh, you know access to Power Five resources, I think that gives them a lot more sway, and, and they can be, you know, a player in the market. But I think you know, the Pac-12 has to be smart about this. They have to look at this in a way. Okay, we don't want to just give, you know, all these schools you know, a, a piece of the pie to be able to just get access to the power five so that we can pretend that we're still a power conference. You have to do it, you know, smart. And I think George is approaching that in a, in a right way. I think he's, he's trying to get there. I still think he's in a very difficult spot because there's no guarantee that you could get any of the big 12 teams. Right. I think right. that that's difficult. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think it, it's interesting. You know, I can, let me, let me play a drop that, that George talked about. Cause they, they did ask about the expansion opportunities. This was uh, Stuart Mandel from the athletic asked this george at some of the media days before yours the new big 12 commissioner said they were open for business in terms of expansion kevin warren at big 10 this week saying not ruling out future expansion what gives you confidence that the 10 remaining schools are going to stay in this conference yeah we've had two board meetings a week for the last four weeks and uh, looking my colleagues in the eye and understanding their commitment and that their first priority is making sure that the Pac-12 survives and thrives and grows and is successful. They're committed to the conference, and I think the best thing to do is to ask them about it. And with respect to the Big 12 being open for business, I appreciate that. We haven't decided if we're going shopping there yet or not. 
<laughs> so that was awesome. You know, this is the big bomb that everybody was like, holy cow, Klyavkov is, is taking shots at the Big 12. And, and there was some confusion, right? A lot of people were like, why are you attacking the Big 12 when the Big 10 is the one that's raiding the conference? But I, but I think, you know, he mentioned it's like he's had a lot of grenades thrown at him from the Big 12 side for the last little while. And I, and I think that's where he's looking, right? Like, yes. Right now, the Big 12 looks like the most stable, right? I think they, you know, they feel like they're all together. There's a unity there, you know, for whatever reason, they're there. But at the same time, you know, there's no guarantee that the Pac-12, you know, especially with a good media evaluation, couldn't come in and say, hey, look, Baylor, Houston, BYU even, you know, what, what, what will it take to get you over here? And who's to say that they won't, you know, jump ship? Like, if you can come over there to the Big or the Pac-12 and be able to be associated with some of these teams that have much more of a, a higher market value in terms of, you know, viewership, that kind of stuff, there's no guarantee that the Big 12 is safe either. So it's an interesting comment. It, it, it's interesting when you compare the two conferences because everybody's talking about, you know, the Big 12 is more stable and, and and there is truth to that. But the reason is that there's truth to it is that no one wants the teams that they have. If you think about who, I mean, from a, a SEC or a Big Ten perspective, you, you hear about Notre Dame. Okay, well, they're an independent. You hear about Stanford. You hear about Oregon. You hear about Washington and I mean, that's essentially the top of the Pac-12. And then you hear about Miami and Florida State, Clemson. Okay. So the ACC and the Pac-12, from an expansion standpoint, have the teams that you want. The Big 12 doesn't really get talked about. Take it for what it's worth. That that provides your st- stability, right? Uh, the other thing is that everybody's like, oh, well, you know, the Big 12 is going to get so much more money than the Pac-12. Well, the Pac-12 doesn't have a deal in place quite yet, right? And then until they do, you can't compare – potential projections of what you think that they're going to get versus what you're actually, you know, in your contract that you're, you know, pen to paper, this is what we are getting. And the other thing with this media rights negotiation that people don't realize with the TV is the TV number is going to be a lot lower than the total valuation that you get, because you're getting a cut of the college football playoff, which is new, right? You're getting, if you have a team that goes, um, your conference is going to get a lot more money and uh, as well as the men's basketball tournament. So when you see, Oh, well, the PAC 12 is only going to get you know, $25 million for its rights. Well, that's before you throw in the March madness and the college football playoff. Now for the PAC 12, I mean, they've only been to the playoff twice. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy to think about. Like you have these big brands in Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, and you've only been twice. And to, to me, the, the, the kickers, you look at, you know, who who is Alabama playing on week eight? They're playing Chattanooga State, right? They have their, their scheduling committee kind of, make, kind of it just paves the road for them to essentially guarantee a spot in the playoff. They're also and, good. And yes, they are good, <laughs> right? But do they really need to be playing Tennessee Chattanooga? No. You know, week nine? You know, they don't, right? Do they, do they really only need to be playing eight conference games? And then... When you when you look at okay they're they're going to play eight conference games Pac-12 is playing nine and then all of their games are going to be either at a neutral site or home they're not coming to Utah they're not going on the road to Otson right Georgia's playing Oregon at a neutral site in Atlanta like how, how I mean that's that's really neutral like, <laughs> they have really <laughs> neutral right and so. At least give the Big Ten credit because they have been on those road trips. They have been to Otson. They have been to Rice Eccles, you know, when Michigan came to town. So I, I, I give more credence to the Big Ten in their willingness to actually schedule 
you know, um, these harder road games where, you know, if you're in the SEC, uh, where, where's the Alabama Texas game? I, I I'm, I'm going to look it up while we, where we talk about it, because that's it. That's an intriguing one where you have an SEC opponent um, that potentially could be going on the road. I don't want to say that that game is in Texas. Uh, I'll clarify that here in a second, but for me, um, there's the value in the big 12 is only because you have teams that aren't at the top of the pecking order for these other conferences to poach. And, you know, for Utah, you have to, um, I, I think you have to stay involved with Oregon and Washington as much as you can. You have to pair yourself and, and people are going to say, well, they should go to the big 12. And, you know, if the money's there uh, and we'll get more into this, when we talk about what Kyle Whittingham said, um, He's going to, you know, they're going to do the best decision. That game is in Texas, by the way, the Alabama-Texas game. So kudos to Alabama for actually scheduling a road game, you know, out of conference. Good for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> no sarcasm there whatsoever. Um, I, I I think that the uh, the proof will be in the pudding, to, to quote Kyle Whittingham, right? Like, they're going to look at, okay, here is our exact offer. This is what we're scheduled to get. This is how much it increases per year. And if it's less in the Pac-12, significantly less, then I could see Utah doing what's best for them and making a jump. Well, and that's uh, the interesting thing that's, that Kyle made, right? He he didn't he wasn't committal necessarily to the Pac-12. Now, he was in the sense that, look, we are in the Pac-12. This is where we're at. He, he wasn't as focused about conference realignment and all that other stuff. But he, he said, I trust that we will be able to be in the best position that we possibly can be. And that could be the Pac-12. It could be somewhere else, right? And I right. think for, for him, that's, that's kind of where it's at, right? It doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, quite honestly, for him, he's probably not going to be coaching the next few years anyway, or after a ne- few years anyway that to him, conference realignment doesn't really matter. I mean, he's there to coach. So I don't know if he's necessarily the best person to talk to about this because he's just focused on winning. Most coaches are, right? I mean, they don't really care. This is an AD. This is a president's. This is mostly a president's thing. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, he's he's happy to go wherever. Now, obviously, you know, if you you go back down to the Mountain West type level, that that's going to hurt, and he's definitely going to have a say in that. But I don't think that ultimately he cares if you're in the Big Ten, the Big or well, he would care to be in the Big Ten. Don't get me wrong, but Pac-12, Big Twelve, whatever that may be, I, I I think it doesn't really matter. And I think you know that that's the funny thing about Pac-12 Media Day or any of these media days. Conference realignment has really taken over, taken over. And at one point, George Kliav, George Klyavkov can't even talk today. He, uh, you know, you've mentioned, I hope that we can talk about football today. And that's that's exactly what was going on. And I think, you know, y- you get in there and you, you want to be able to talk about all these things. And we needed to be able to hear what Klyavkov said and, and kind of what his ideas are. Y- you can't just gloss over that and say, nope, we're going to focus on football. But at the same rate, you know, that, that is important. It is important. interesting that when you finally asked a football question, he's like, oh, we're not, we're not ready to discuss that at this time. <laughs> oh, sorry, we'll, we'll release that at a later time. I mean, it was in relation to the tiebreaker rules now that there's no division. So it wasn't like a huge or shattering thing. But it's just funny that, you know, I'm really looking forward to a football question. He gets a football question and Merton Hanks immediately was just like, oh, we'll get to that later. Yeah. I, it, and on this podcast, too, we will get to football, I promise. But before we pivot away, I do want to talk t- talk about two more things real quick is, is is kind of like the wish list for the Pac-12 as far as expansion candidates. And, you know, I think San Diego State is like the lone obvious one. Yeah. It's a little surprising that uh, an invitation hasn't already been announced. Um, but you know, it's not my conference. So, you know, I, 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 I guess it's just up to leadership on what they want to do. Uh, San Diego state is the lone obvious one. And, and then you get into an interesting, 
uh, dilemma is do you do you invite a school you know that potentially would be basketball only in Gonzaga you know they could do some of the other Olympic sports too but it would not be football right would you invite a school like that or do you try to you know move west to Texas do you try to stay in California with a Fresno program that is really solid but just doesn't quite have the eyeballs do you go to Boise who has a again a really solid program but again they don't have the eyeballs they don't have the, the you know they're not going to be a massive draw from a, a TV network perspective or do you go SMU in, in Texas do you go you know Kansas or um uh, Houston from the Big 12 I mean where where do you see the the Pac-12 getting the biggest bang for its buck and potentially keeping everybody happy as far as you know you don't want to alienate some of the California schools with who you invite I think you know you first off your point to Gonzaga and, and maybe basketball schools like that Kansas whatever it may be I, I think those are going to be the secondary desire, right? I, I think those are valuable. And I think if you can get Gonzaga and a basketball and whatever else, you know, situation, I think that only helps your program or your conference. But I don't I don't think that's going to be their their first draw, right? I think for them, you know, it's it's being able to associate with with like minded institutions. And and you can argue San Diego State or any of those others is, is kind of still a difficult uh, situation. SMU, you know, religious or institution you know, it's it, it's one of those situations where they're not all going to be able to be in the similar mindset of what the Pac-12 already is, right? You know, the AAU schools and, and very high-minded, you know, whatever they want to claim, whatever that is. But I do think markets matter. You saw how important that was to uh, Klyavkov in, in this last media talk was that, you know, L.A. matters to them. And so if L.A. matters, that to me is kind of the, the, the interesting thing of, okay, first off, you've got to go after those top markets. Like you said, San Diego State is a no-brainer. I, I don't think anybody's doubting that one, and that's to get that Southern California market. But after that, yeah, you need to go after these next highest. Boise State is not that, right? You're not getting a lot of, you know, television revenue out of that because it's Boise. You know, SMU, yes, you'd be able to get in that that. Um, you know, Texas market. Houston, I think, is the most valuable that you can possibly get out of what's available. So I think, you know, if if you can make that work, go for San Diego State, go for Houston. And then after that, you can maybe go into some other programs, you know, get Gonzaga for a basketball. Maybe you can poach some of these other Big 12 teams, you know, the Baylors, the Oklahoma States. You're still not getting a ton of value that way. But I think you have to first secure yourself in those markets. And I think that's what matters most to them. I think anything that we heard from them, that's what matters most is trying to be able to increase the value of your media rights. Klyavkov talked about mm-hmm. trying to get different revenue streams and, and different non-competition, non-conference competitions and different things that way. It's why he says, you know, they're, they're trying to bring in a baseball championship and the playoff tournaments that way. They're trying everything that they possibly can to bring interest in. And so a lot of that's going to be that, and there's going to be a lot of it in the you know the market value and being able to do different things. And I think that's where those expansion partners are going to come in. Yeah, you mentioned Southern California being you know pertinent for the Pac-12 to kind of maintain a stronghold on, and one of the, I mean, one of the things that they mentioned in Pac-12 Media Day was the potential for UCLA to actually change course. Uh, and, and come back to the Pac-12. I think that would be the you, you talk about a wish list. That would be number one, two, and three on the wish list would be to have UCLA oh, yeah. come back because um, 
it, it is so important to have Southern California. And, and you know, they, they, they kind of mentioned, you know, offhand, like, Hey, we're, we're you know, we're going to schedule some, some neutral site games potentially in Southern California. And I, you know, I, I kind of look at that as like, well, you know, it was you know, five, six years ago, they had the conference basketball tournament in LA. Nobody went. No. Right. They, they, they used to have the conference championship game in Levi stadium, which that's not LA that's central California. Right. That's, you know, the Bay area. Nobody went, and it's right? it's a terrible location, right? I, I I L.A. is way better than the Bay Area, in my opinion. I you know don't need to get into semantics here about the state of California, but uh, I mean, is there value in playing a neutral study game in California? I I just don't see it. Like, what what are they trying to do here? I, I the only reason you you play in L.A. is for the recruiting footprint, right? Like Oregon can come back down, you know, you appease them that way and say, hey, look, we'll have a neutral site. Maybe you say. San Diego State, you know, yeah, you have this brand new facility that you're going to, you know, you're, you're opening up this new stadium, but, you know, every once in a while you're going to come up to L.A. and we're going to play games there. You know, that, that appeases a team like Oregon who's done very well in the L.A. market and being able to recruit. To me, that's the only reason you're going to L.A. I don't, I don't see a value going into L.A. other than the recruiting aspect of it, right? Which, which is funny right. because I think you, you look at a team like Utah who L.A. or, you know, Southern California has always been in their recruiting footprint and I don't think they necessarily need to be able to play games there. Yeah, it helps because you can say, hey, look, you can go home and you can play these games there. But I don't think the recruits necessarily care. You have you have recruits from Southern California leaving to the Big Ten and the SEC all the time. They're never going to sniff California play, right, unless it's a bowl game or some other thing. I don't think that is a huge aspect. But I do think it's just the access. You're being able to get in there recruiting. You know, you go play a game on a Friday night, Thursday night, you know, Saturday, whatever it may be. You can slip over and go watch, you know, some kid that you've been you've been waiting for. I think there's value there. But ultimately, it, it, it doesn't provide any value, in my opinion, outside of recruiting. I Speaking of recruiting, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's monumental for George Klyavkov to hit this one out of the park with as far as media rights because you, you talk about access right in these recruits the there's been teams that have been on the pac-12 networks which you know if you live in you know i mean even if you live in utah in some areas you can't get the channel right yeah like you have to get you know this this you know comcast package and then you got to get this you know uh, sling TV thing, and then you got to upgrade this and that. The Pac-12 network is very difficult for some of these people to get, right? It's not like this uh, channel that you're flipping through and like, oh, hey, I have you know the Big Ten network. Like, I'm not paying for it, but I have it, you know, or the ACC network. Like, they need to be able to get their product in in front of as many eyeballs as possible. But it's a it's a balancing act because you want to make money, and so it, it, this is going to be an interesting play because you you go to a you go to a streaming provider like Apple TV, like you know Major League Baseball has their their Friday games on on uh, Apple TV, which is great. But if you don't have Apple TV, there's no way for you to get the game. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's not like oh well, I can go through Hulu and get it. No, you literally can't get it, and. I, you know, to me, that's, that's the balancing act is, yeah, the money's great, but if you can't watch the games and you can't have recruits watch the games, there goes your brand recognition. And for Utah, who, 
is still building their brand, especially in the last 10 years. Like you need as many people to watch your games as possible. Well, and that's why the ESPN deal is the most important thing. Fox, Fox is important. Don't get me wrong. Fox isn't going to necessarily be a player in the Pac-12. ESPN has to. And if for whatever reason ESPN gets a big stake in the Big Ten, I think that really hurts the Pac-12. They're in a lot of problems. Because you look at it, you know, ESPN, they obviously have a million networks and they can, you know, put it on ESPN3. They can put it on whatever you want to put it on. But you also have the value. Disney Plus, which is essentially ESPN, it's all wrapped up into the same organization. That is one of the highest, you know, streaming services out there. Everybody has Disney Plus. They also have like these bundles. You get ESPN Plus with that. You get all these things as part of that. So if you lose ESPN, you're really hurting yourself. So what the Pac-12 needs is they need Fox to take a huge role in the Big Ten. You know, they're going to get paid. That, that's what it is, but they need ESPN looking for, for a place to go, right? And that could still be the Big 12, and that can be some other aspects, but you need to be able to have that West Coast inventory at, at its peak, right? You need to be able to get that because, one, you get distribution, and you get a, you know, a media partner that is going to be able to want your stuff. Now, it may not be the most expensive if you had you know USC or UCLA, but it's still going to give you the value that's there. So I don't know. I think they, they absolutely need ESPN in there. The, the wild card for if ESPN, you know, for whatever reason, gets more of a chunk uh, out of the Big Ten than they anticipate, then the, the wild card is CBS, right? They're losing the SEC. They want that that night game slot. and But it's like, it's know. not that much, in my opinion. Like, you're not really getting a lot of value. It's, who, right. Who's going to go turn right. into CBS Sports, right? I mean, we, we've been down that road. Well, I mean, I mean, if you can get on the main CBS, though, where you're oh, sure. on Absolutely. the TV, I mean, that's, that's I huge. Mean, that, that, that to me is, is big. But yeah, if you're relegated to CBS Sports Network, then yeah, the, you might as well stay in the Pac-12 network because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, raise your hand or, you know, tweet at us if it, if you actually get cbs sports network because i don't think i do you know i mean unless you you actually know uh i mean the, the difficulty in the pac-12 has been you have to have a plethora of different options like the sling tv for example you have to have the espn and the fox package to be able to get espn espn2 espnu espn news as well as fs1 right like there's no a la carte way mm-hmm. to get all of that out of the out of the package, so you're already having to upgrade, right? And so, if Utah can just get, or the Pac-12 can get on one provider, I mean, that's, I mean, a step up in and of itself. That's huge. But uh, I mean, for let, let, let's talk about football. You know, what? We talk about football. Let's talk about football. football. Practice. We're talking uh, about practice, practice starts Wednesday, right? And the, I mean, how how do you focus if you're Kyle Whittingham? If you're if you're Cam Rising, if you're Clark Phillips the third, how do you focus on football when? The, obviously, everybody's trying to talk to you about USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. I, I, how do you keep your focus? How do you keep it about your team? And especially when you're picked to be the favorite. Well, and I think that's the interesting thing because, you know, a lot of those questions are, you know, focused on conference realignment and all that other spe- aspects. But but I think the reality is, is those guys don't care. Right. I mean, I, you know, you saw you may have seen the tweet about somebody asked Cam Rising, you know, what about them moving? And all he said was cool. You know, he doesn't care. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where football matters to these guys, right? Like a lot of these guys, you know, if Cam Rising has the year that we expect him to have, he's not even going to be on Utah next year. Clark Phillips, same situation. He doesn't care where Utah's playing after this. Now, he'll have a vested interest in the sense that it's his alma mater and yada, yada, yada. But the reality is most of these guys on the field aren't going to care because 2024 is still a ways away. And yeah, it comes for these incoming recruits and different stuff. 
but it doesn't matter. You know, they have a game against Florida in the swamp. That that is a huge game, and it's one of those situations where you know your whole focus is is on that game. They're not losing sleep over what conference they're going to play in. They're losing sleep over, okay, am I going to be able to be successful against Florida and Anthony Richardson, who's going to be able to be a great quarterback for Florida? That that to me is where it's at. You know, Kyle Whittingham in his 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 statements, he he called the conference realignment just stuff, right? Stuff that is kind of periphery to whatever is going on out there. He doesn't care. He cares about football. His focus is about football, you know, and, 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 and those things are connected, right? Like conference realignment works because your football program is better. You know, Utah got into the PAC 12 because their football program was better. Now, if you can, you know, position yourself in whatever, you know, situation you want to be in for conference realignment, it has to be because of the on-field success on the football program. And I think that's, what's interesting. A lot of the questions directed at Kyle were, you know, do you still feel like an underdog? You know, what was the Rose Bowl experience like? Everybody sits there and, and talks about that Rose Bowl game as being one of the best that they've seen in, in years, right? And Utah lost. But at the same time, they still get credibility from that. Let me let me actually play you a, a comment from Kyle on the Rose Bowl and kind of what it means to them to be able to uh, have that experience. Hey, Kyle, I wonder if you could talk about the significance, even though it was a loss of the Rose Bowl on the program, where it's gotten to this point, um, playing, Ohio, playing Ohio State like you did, and maybe lasting effects going forward. Yeah, well, first of all, it was a great uh, national stage for our team, obviously, to be able to be in that game and have that exposure. Uh, the game itself was terrific, didn't come out on the right end of it, but it was <clears throat> something that I'm, I'm positive all the fans enjoyed and, and uh, you know the ratings were really good and all that stuff. But, but uh, for our program, it signified a, a uh, the next step in the evolution of our program, winning the Pac-12, we'd been to the championship game. Uh, that was the third time last year we had been denied the first two times, so it was good to get over that hump. And uh, we certainly felt the effects of that game in recruiting, still feeling the effects of that. Uh, we're off to a really good start with our 23 class, so so uh, all good except for uh, except for the outcome of the game, but but a lot of positives. Do do you agree with Kyle that there are a lot of positives from that, and do you think that propels them going into a Florida game and and, and this season? I, I've known Kyle for about 15 years now, and I think this may be the first time I've ever heard him talk about ratings, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, and and for Utah, who is trying to build their brand, how better? On, to, on a national stage, national TV, against a national powerhouse who preseason was picked, you know, to be in the playoff, right? Uh, to go against Ohio State toe-to-toe at the Rose Bowl, that, that's massive. Like, it, it can't, I, I can't put it into words how big that was for the Utah program. And you're seeing the effects of it on the recruiting trail, right? The 2022 class was the highest rated. The 2023 class is, is rated even higher than that. Like, what more can you ask for for a program that is still trying to assert its dominance? You know, for, you know, last season, like, you know, they Utah took some lumps early on in the season. They lost to BYU. They lost to San Diego State. Everybody's thinking the sky is falling. All of a sudden, you change one position. You put in a different quarterback, and Utah was a completely different team, right? And you know, no offense to Charlie Brewer. He didn't get the protection he needed. Like, no, there's there's very few quarterbacks that could um, play well when they're under constant dis- distress, right? They needed a mo- somebody that could actually be a little bit uh, elusive in the pocket and, and, and make plays. And that was Cam Rising, right? He made as many plays on the ground as he did through the air, right? And that makes what, what makes him so dynamic. And 
this 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 is a key year for Utah because you know they're picked to they're picked to finish first, and it's not the first time they've been picked. I think in 2019 they were picked yep. to to finish first. Yeah, this is the second time um, they've done that. They lost to Oregon in the championship game. You know, we all know how that played out. Could but have been in the playoff if you win that, though. Right. Yeah, they were right there. They were the fifth spot, and everybody was gonna. Um, everybody was anticipating that Utah was gonna leapfrog the number four position, whoever it was. I can't remember the exact team, but uh, they. Yeah, all of the pundits were saying Utah's gonna be in the playoff. You win this game, you're in the playoff, and uh, we all know that Justin Herbert. Um, he, he's still running. He's pretty know, good to this day. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Southern California, playing for the Chargers, <laughs> he, he's a really good talent, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, Utah just didn't have the the horses to hang with uh, uh, a really, really good Oregon team. Well, I think but that's, that's last the season. Things, right? Last season, they did. They did have the horses, right? They played Oregon twice, and it wasn't even a game, right? Both times, they played USC, and it was like. 44 to 10 before they put in their second and third string and, and you know USC you know started to to make a little bit of a comeback at the end like Utah was a dominant team last season but it didn't start that way right it, it took you know the, it took some perseverance to to push through and a lot of people had Utah dead to rights and you know Utah had some you know tragic things tragic events that the team had to rally around i mean what an emotional roller coaster for that football team but look at how where where they stand today, right now, now they're the favorite, right now, now they have the target on their back and for, you know, nine weeks of conference play, every single team that they go up against is going to give them their a game. Do you think Utah can do it right? Like that, that's the question that everybody has. Does Utah have the ability to play as the favorite? We know that they can play as the underdog. Uh, They've been doing that for since Kyle Whittingham was defensive coordinator, right? They've, they've been proven as the underdog, but can they do it as the favorite? That's, that's the million dollar question. Well, and that's where, you know, Kyle, when he talks about trying to increase the national brand of, of Utah, that's what he's talking about, right? He, he, he sees this, he understands the, you know, the, the circumstances that are out there, you know, for coming into the 2019 season, Kyle had one of the best bowl record winning percentages of, of all time. Right. And he, it was like 10 games. So it's not like it was a, a bunch and, and a lot of them weren't necessarily, you know, these stellar bowl games, but at the same time, he recognizes that that bowl record means nothing if you can't win the big games, right? These last few years, Utah hasn't won a bowl game. They've been to bowl games, but they haven't gotten over that that hump, so to speak. You know, Utah, if they really want to be taken seriously, they have to start winning these big games. You have to be able to go into that season opener against Florida and start out with a dominant win. Now, I'm not saying it has to be you have to win them by 50 you just have to win, right? I, I don't think you know right. it, it matters, but it, you have to start out and you have to get a win, and then you've got to be able to defend everybody coming at you, giving you the best best game that they can possibly give, right? Yeah, you can beat USC, you can beat Oregon, whatever. Those things are important, but you have to do it week in and week out, and then you have to follow it up, and you got to go win the big, you know, the Pac-12 championship. You've got to be able to do these things and then keep taking those steps, right? Utah, you know, the hardest thing in football is is going from you know good to great. Utah is a very good team, but they're not necessarily great in that upper echelon team, right? They're going to, you know, right. as long as Kyle's there and they've got, you know, the same philosophy and, you know, if whomever is hired after him has that same philosophy, Utah will always be kind of near the top there. I don't, I don't see them as, as a team that is going to fall to the middle and, and you know, just kind of get complacent. I think they're always going to be, you know, a top 25 type caliber team. That doesn't mean they'll be there every single year. 
but they're going to be competitive there. They're going to win games that they probably shouldn't, and they're going to lose games that they, they shouldn't. But to be able to take that next step, this is this is the season where you have to follow it up, right? Everybody saw Utah in the Rose Bowl. They saw what they could do. You know, you had a double-digit lead against one of the best programs in all of college football, and then you let it slip away. And sure, there's different factors, and we can get into that if we really wanted to. But the point is, you have to be able to stay. You have to have that staying power. You, you look at Georgia. Georgia, you know, everybody talked about them not winning a national championship since, what was it, 1980? It's funny to say that because it's still... You know, you still have a national championship. But in the SEC, if you don't win, what good are you, right? And so for Georgia, it took them forever. They had to have top recruiting classes and, and keep stacking that and keep doing all those things to finally get there. And then they rolled out one of the best defenses of all time. And, and, and then they win the championship. But that's I, I don't think Utah's in that category. But I think to get there, you have to have those similar things, right? You have to have recruiting that hits. You have to be able to win. You have to be able to be in those quote-unquote, ratings games that Kyle's now talking about. He, he did mention it last year against Oregon. So those were some of those mentions that he's, he's had. But you, you have to be able to build on that stuff. You can't just be this sporadic team. You can't be the Cincinnati, right? You can't be Cincinnati where you come in and you're a really dominant team and, and, and everybody loves them, but this next year they're not picked to be anywhere near the top, right? You have to be able to consistently do that. Well, it, you, you talk about the exposure and what, what part of what it does is for the players, right? Like how many watch lists is Clark Phillips the third on, you know, as be, the nation's best sec, uh, defensive back nation's best cornerback. Like he's like the pro football uh, top three cornerback in the country. Like he is getting a ton of recognition. Same with Cam Rising. Mm-hmm. Same, same with Tavion Thomas. Like they are getting um, the recognition and rightfully so, but they're getting the recognition that they deserve because people were able to actually watch them, right? Like, you know, one of the uh, the uh, t- uh, another takeaway from Pac-12 Media Day was was David Shaw talking about, hey, you know, if people were able to watch Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> like, there's no question in his mind that they he would have been Heisman. And you know, we we cover the Pac-12. Obviously, you know, we're biased. Mm-hmm. He should have won Heisman, right? Like, oh, absolutely. But no, but but, but you know, your your TV deal, like, people can't watch. Like, and that's just been hurting, hurting Utah more so than the other programs, because when you're trying to build that brand, everybody knows who Oregon is. You know, everybody knows who USC is, even though USC has been awful for 10 years. Everybody still knows who they are because of the brand recognition. And when you're trying to build that brand, you need people to be able to watch your games. And when you finally do have a game, like you said, at the swamp, going up in Gainesville to play Florida you better be bringing your A game because this is your chance to prove yourself as a team. Can you fly with the big boys? Can you be a part of that conversation, you know, come November, come December about potentially being in the college football playoff? This this week one matchup go, will go a long way to defining that answer for Utah and its fans. Like, is Utah is Utah a dominant program? Or are they just a really good program? And that's that's just so hard to make that jump from really good to great. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I think Kyle said, you know, they, they have 
all of their focus in, in being able to come to that game. This isn't, you know, your typical FCS game that you're starting with. So uh, the, the focus is going to be there. But uh, let's, let's transition a little bit to fall camp. As we mentioned, you know, fall camp starts on Wednesday. Uh, we, we finally get to see what, what's going on, you know, and we don't have a quarterback battle this year, which is great. You know, you can maybe have the QB2 battle, which are Quinton Jackson, Bryson Barnes, and, you know, all these other incoming freshmen that are there. But for the most part, Cam Rising is the guy. We don't have to worry about that. He's going to have... You know, a lot of success, you know, barring injuries or any of these other things, you know, Utah is set. But for me, kind of what are, what are the, some of the storylines that, that you're looking at as you go into fall camp? There, you know, Utah isn't set in every position. There's, there's questions still there. You know, this isn't it, no team in the country is perfect other than maybe you could argue Alabama and Ohio State this year. Um, but there's still questions on those teams. But for you, what do you see as maybe some of those storylines coming into camp? The, the biggest one for me is special teams. Utah has been so good historically. Oh, there was another block punt. Sorry. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I have nightmares over that San Diego State game. And oh Oregon gosh. State. And, and Oregon Ohio State, State. And Arizona. So basically don't Ohio play a County. team with State in the end, and you're going to get a blocked the, punt. The, yeah, I mean, Utah has always been really good. And – with special in regards to special teams, but for whatever reason, they've just been snake bitten, right? Like they just have that curse, like, Hey, like, ugh. and can they get back to what they've been known for? Yes. Right. Like you know, the proof is in like what they've been able to do. Right. You kind of look at last year. Maybe that's just an anomaly, right? Because historically they've been really good. You have one bad year. You, you kind of get a pass, but yeah, I mean, you got to be able to to punt the football. Like, you're not going to be able to score every single time. You're not going to go. I mean, I mean, a really, really, really good team will be lucky to go what 45 percent on third down. Like, they're going to still punt the football unless you're playing Akron. Like, okay, like you know, maybe you can get by by now by not uh, having to punt. I mean, that that had just you just got to be able to play the field position game. So, I mean. Yeah, part of it was on the punting, you know, but part of it was on the blocking, right? Like, you can't just let a guy come clean through untouched. Like, I mean, just you got to know your assignments, right? Field goal kicking, right? Like, it kind of off and on last season. Like, yeah, it was it was kind of hit or miss, you know? Can they get back to where they are? Just it's a guarantee. You're not going to make every single field goal. I get that. But can you get back to where, you know, you get inside the 40, it's a kind of a given you get inside the 50, you have a really good shot. And if you have a really good kicker, you know, sometimes outside of 55, yeah, maybe they've got a shot, but I feel like last season, man, anything regard. And and, and you lost your best returner, like Britton Covey, like he's gone. He, you know, he's in Eagles camp and uh, trying to prove that he can play with in the NFL and, you know, good luck to him. But, uh, you know, how, question special teams is the biggest question for me because uh, so many unknowns, right? Who, who's going to be stepping up to be that new return man for Utah? It'd probably be Jalen Dixon, but, you know, we don't know, right? Like, I mean, that's going to be one of the answers in fall camp. Um, yeah, I that, that to me is the one that, man, man that's the, that, that's that's the hard one. So many red flags from last season. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they can, what they can do. And, um, uh, the other one for me is wide receiver, right? You lost, you you lost your number one receiver in Britton Covey. You have Devon Bailey coming back. You have Solomon Enos. You have uh, Jalen Dixon, who did really well in spring ball. Can they have that? Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to do it in spring ball. It's one thing to do it in fall camp. It's another thing to do it in games, right? Like, can they have that go to receiver? And you know, they should have a lot of favorable matchup matchups because of how good the tight ends are, right? Mm-hmm. There's not. I mean, if you have a uh, a set where 
uh, Kincaid and Brent Keithy are out on the field together, like who gets the extra help, right? Like if you're a, if you're an outside receiver, like you should have one on one coverage. Well, because and, and Brant Keithy's been lining up, up the center. Brant Keithy's been lining up at wide receiver lately too. I mean, so so where do you put him? I mean, how do you scheme towards that? Is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? You know, how, how do you do that? And and to me, I think that's the most interesting aspect of this. Defense is always going to have questions, right? I, you know, we can talk about linebacker depth, secondary depth. Secondary is probably the biggest concern on the defensive side. But for me, wide receiver is kind of where it's at. Devon Vale. He 100% took a step up in spring. I mean, some of the catches that he was making in spring, it was a night and day difference between him and everybody else. And Solomon Enos has been on the team for a long time. I still think he's got a lot of value there. But Devon Vele has, has you know really established himself as the guy. But like you said, now you get those tight ends in there. You've got Dalton Kincaid, which I still think is one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, he, he's underrated. He doesn't drop a lot of passes, if at all. You know, but you get them mixed in with all that. You get a Makai Cope who could maybe come in there. Money Parks, these guys that are coming in there. Who's going to be those guys that separate? And and to me, that's that's really where that that question comes. Does Jalen Dixon fill the Britton Covey role, and does he become an asset that? You know, wasn't really explored for him because Britain was such a dynamic slot receiver. You know, those those are the things where you know, as I as we go through fall camp, I'm I'm really interested. I those are the things like you said, the punting, special teams, that aspect, but also the wide receivers. Utah's going to be fine in the running backs, right? Like that depth there is incredible. You've got Tavion Thomas, who's obviously getting a lot of love from the national standpoint, but Jalen Glover. You know, he's a freshman that, you know, could come in there and he's going to steal a lot of attention. He's he's a guy that can really do well with the ball. Makai Bernard, he's still there. He's phenomenal. He's off speed. Maybe you get some Chris Curry action in there. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of talent there. The real question to me is wide receiver depth. How does that work? You know, can you get anything? I don't think it's a huge worry because wide receiver hasn't always been a huge focus of Utah, especially with the tight ends. So I think it'll kind of work its way out. But, you know, that that to me is is a really fascinating position group mixed in with the tight ends to be able to see how Utah manages that. But if I'm, you know, Andy Ludwig, I mean, there's so many avenues for you to work. I, I think just having, you know, your 11, 12, you know, if you really want to go to it, the 13 personnel packages, it's a really fun opportunity for Utah to have a fun, dynamic offense where, you know, you get crossing routes, you get deep routes, you get all kinds of things that really make it, a scheme, you know, the, the scheme difficult for, for opposing defenses. Well, and you know, to have two solid running, three solid running backs, right. That can be able to do the, the change of pace, you, you know, in Makai Bernard and um, Jalen Glover. And we know what Tavian Thomas can do. Like Utah's going to be stacked and be a very physical team. And when you can control the line of scrimmage, it just makes you, the the playbook open up. Like you have so many more options. It, the, the question that I have is, are the wide receivers going to get burnt out because they're <laughs> they're not going to be playing all that blocking. much, right? Or they're, you're just going to be run blocking, right? Like you want to be able to to keep everybody happy. But I think when you have nine guys in the box trying to stop you, I mean that's a wide receiver's dream to have one on one on the outside, right? And if you you know if you're Utah. Uh, and you got Cameron rising under center, a proven commodity that, you know, was Pac-12 player of the year last season. I, I mean, to me that that's the, that's the kicker, right? It was like, you can have real, you can, ha- you can have a really good passing game if your quarterback is, is really good. You know, that's kind of an obvious, right? But I think it's, it's almost better to have a good quarterback and decent receivers than really good receivers and a decent quarterback, right? I, I I mean I think that these receivers 
uh, are going to have their chance to shine. And I, I kind of see uh, Jalen Dixon kind of filling in that Covey role, right? Like he's going to be that he's, he's, he's going to be at least given the shot, right? Let, let's see what he can do. Right. And um, you hope that they can take advantage of the opportunities that are going to be given to him and, um, you know, I, this, this, you, you ask about questions, you know, special teams. Okay. Wide receiver, uh, linebacker, uh, is young. The, the depth is young, but they do have depth, right? They do have talent there. The secondary is, I mean, the secondary is the biggest issue in the Rose bowl, right? Like they couldn't stop Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like he, he, he's still running for touchdowns. <laughs> like the Ohio state was able to pick him apart, but largely due to, uh, the quarterback is just darn good, right? Like give give credit where credit is due. But secondly, is Utah was playing a running back at, in their secondary because they didn't have the depth, right? They they lost one of their starting corners the week before, or the uh, the game before in the Pac-12 championship game in in Vegas against Oregon. So, I mean, you hope to build that depth, but a lot of it is also can you stay healthy, mm-hmm. right? And that's and that's going to be so critical at least through fall camp. Can you stay healthy? Can you have your roster? You're not going to ever have it at 100 percent because there's always injuries. But can you avoid injuries to any key position? And and secondary is obviously one of those key positions that Utah needs everybody there. Yeah, and I and I think you know Utah's done really well to be able to build up its depth. You know, in the early years of Utah in the Pac-12, that was always the biggest issue, right? Like Utah could compete. And then the second, you know, they took, you know, one or two losses from their, you know, key players in, in key positions, it was done. They didn't have the depth to be able to back it up. Now Utah's, you know, they've, they've learned, Kyle, you know, has talked about it a numerous amount of times, uh, it, just talking about the depth needed to be able to compete at this level. And, and so I think Utah has it. They've got guys that they can move. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, a rash of injuries can't derail the, the, the season. I think everything that we're talking about with this Utah team you know, is incumbent on Utah staying relatively healthy. They're not going to be perfectly healthy. Every team, every player has some sort of, you know, thing that, that, that impacts them throughout the year. At the end of the year, you always hear about different things that happened, like, you know, Britton Covey a couple of years ago, he'd broke his arm and he was still playing in the game and still doing different things. And, you know, these types of things happen, you know, and it's going to be there. So I think for Utah to be successful, they have to make sure that that depth is developed. And I think coming into this season, they're in a much better space, right? You, you've got much, you know, much better JT Broughton, who's going to be able to be back and be able to uh, kind of compliment Clark Phillips in, in his role as a corner. You've got Malone Mateele, who's, you know, playing nickel. He's had experience there. But now you have all these other guys that have, have kind of stepped up a little bit because they've, they've been given some action. So I think... I I think the depth is there. It's still thin. I don't want to say that it's it's fully arrived in that secondary, but I think Utah's in a position where they can can at least manage. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to so see we'll, how this we'll works. We'll find out really quick, right? Like there's no warm-up game this season. <laughs> no. Like historically Utah's always had an FCS opponent to start the season. Not so the case this year. They're they're start, starting with the one of the hardest places to play in all of college football. Which what like, else can you ask and, for? That's phenomenal. But that's that, that's why these kids are playing the game, right? Like they want that exposure. They want the opportunity. But uh, when was the last time Utah had more players on offense on the All Pac-12 team than on defense? Like is that the first? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you mention that because you know in it, it's spring ball. You know when we when we were watching and and Kyle actually he he's kind of restricted a lot of the access to being able to watch the team over the years. I, I don't want to call it paranoia, but I think he's just trying to control things, not necessarily control a narrative necessarily, but I think he's trying to control what he can control. 
Um, but in spring, he opened it up significantly to us, especially near the end. We got to watch almost near full practices, got to be able to watch a lot of things. And, and, you know, and we've heard a lot about how the offense has taken a, a big step and, is, and has been able to dominate. Every time, you know, when you were covering the Utes, Rob, every time you'd go up there, it'd be like, okay, the defense is dominating, the offense is still catching up. And that was always the narrative for decades, right? But now it's, it's switched. Last year we got to see it uh, where, you know, the offense was starting to, to combat the defense. And that defense is phenomenal. But now you're starting to see them make those, those steps. And I think that's what was encouraging in spring is being able to watch this. Yes, the offense was night and day different. They were better. They were doing the things that they needed to. They looked like a veteran group. They, they had, you know, the plays down. And that defense was scrambling. Now, in that same respect, the defense is still good. Don't get worried about the defense. You know, Morgan Scally and Kyle Whittingham, they're going to be fine, right? Like, they've got the guys. But you're starting to see an offense that is really toe-to-toe, if not better, than what the defense is putting out on the field. And I, and I think as a fan, you should be encouraged about that. You should be encouraged that Utah is finally getting those skills players that are going to matter. Does that mean they're going to have those players that USC has where, you know, you're getting a Jordan Addison as the, you know, Blitkanoff winner? No, not necessarily but you're now competing on a level where that offense is actually on the field and you don't need your defense to be able to win the game for you. Well, I mean, Utah did get uh, Darren Carrington a few years ago, right? So, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, right? I mean, Josh Gordon was a Ute for about five minutes. <laughs> I mean, know? he still like, counted as a Ute. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to take a little bit more, obviously, to to get those. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I would say they're on the path there. And the, the key will be, I mean, and I'm going to put you on the spot, you're part of the uh, Football Writers Association of Amer- is it of America? Yeah, I think so. That of uh, yeah, Football Writers Association of America. One of your responsibilities is to submit the AP Top Twenty Five, and for a, a a team that's trying to build its brand, the preseason poll. Everybody says the preseason poll is meaningless, right? Like, oh, it's, you know, it's just a bunch of opinion. Well, yeah, but if you start in the top ten and you can stay there that gives you a fighting chance to to get the benefit of the doubt if you do have a game slip. If you're if you're out on the outside looking in and let's say you slip against you know a really good UCLA team or you know you know one of these other the other uh you know let's say week 1 against Florida. If you're if you're part of that um one of the programs that are getting the benefit of the doubt from the get go then you kind of get a little bit of a pass. There's a reason why the SEC can go 11 and one or 10 and two and still be in the playoff is because they're starting in the top 10. Mm-hmm. If you're on the outside looking in, it's really hard to stay up there, especially with the loss. Where do you see Utah kind of landing here based on, you know, how, I mean, your ballot was due to date and you can't really give us specifics. And I don't want to, you know, to you to tell us exactly what your poll was, but where do you see Utah landing in the AP top 25? Because, you know, across all the other CBS, Fox, you know, all these others that are doing preseason, Utah's been as high as like four. three, four, three or three or four. Mm-hmm. And then as low as 15, like where, where do you see Utah landing this year in yeah. the preseason AP poll? Yeah. Like you mentioned, you know, I had to submit my ballot for the AP top 25 today. Um, I'm, I, I can't necessarily talk about it till it's closer. Um, and I, I'll have an article that you guys can read about where all that is. The, the preseason poll will be released on August 15th. So you've still got, you know, half a month before we, we see that. But 
um, like Rob was mentioning, Utah is anywhere between four and 10 in a lot of these polls. A lot of people see them as that. And I, I will say I am in that range. Um, I, I see Utah as a top 10 team. And I think a lot of, of uh, you know, these 63 riders uh, that, that are selected for this poll will have them in that similar spot. Will, will there be some outliers? Sure. But I think Utah has given, has been given that credibility. You know, they saw what, you know, they did to Oregon twice, what you did against, you know, you know, Ohio State. I think Utah is going to be in a fine position. And just like you mentioned, I think that puts you in a great position to be able to do well. If you win against Florida, that only gives you that credence that you need. Can Utah, you know, lose that game and still be up where they want to? Sure. But like you said, that gives you that instant credibility. Alabama starts at number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia three, whatever, so to speak. Those teams teams are going to be fine. They're good teams. But if you can start there, it's so much easier to be able to stay there, right? I I look back at Penn State from a couple years ago. Penn State, I believe, was preseason top five team. And everybody, you know, thought they were going to have this stellar year. And it was 100% not stellar. But it took them about five weeks to fall out of the top 25 because you're given that brand recognition. And I know a lot of people get mad at these top 25 polls and just say it's brand recognition and and all that other stuff. But in reality, there is a lot of that, right? Like Alabama lost an incredible amount of their team. Georgia, well, not this year, actually. It was the year before, sorry. Georgia lost an incredible amount of their team. They're still going to be a top five team. And the reason for that is, is because they continue to recruit at a high rate and they continue to be able to put out good products. If you can do that, People are going to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Georgia right. is going to be there because that's where they are. Look at Clemson. Clemson had a not great year last year. They, now they rallied at the end, and I think they only lost two or three games when it all came down to it. But everybody's going to look at this and say Clemson is still going to be a top 10 team because they've been there. They know how to win. They know how to do it at a high level. That's where Utah's trying to be, right? Utah's going to be a top 10 team coming into this season because of the consistency that they've had in the top 25. They've been able to be there. They've won tough games. But now to be able to be in that upper echelon category where you're consistently there, you have to win at a consistent pace. So like like you said, preseason polls are meaningless. It really doesn't matter. Ultimately, polls are meaningless, right? Other than giving a coach a bonus at the end of the season or whatever that may be. But I think it shows, you know, how people view your program, how you, you're, you know, you're viewed in a public's eye of saying, this is where Utah falls in the national landscape. So you know, being a top 10 t- preseason team is phenomenal for Utah. I think Utah fans should enjoy that for as long as it can last. Hopefully for them, it lasts for a long time. Utah gets a win at Florida. You know, you're going to go beat, you know, Southern Utah and then, ho- you know, get a win against San Diego State at home. Utah's positioning itself in a great spot. So I think this will be an interesting thing to follow. But, uh, you know, don't worry about it too much, but at least it gives you some recognition. Well, and, and if you're a fan of college football, make sure you come to KSL.com and sign up for our KSL.com college football pick because it's one of the more unique ways to to kind of play um, and to watch these games as they unfold. And if you're new to, to pick them, if you haven't played before, essentially you're picking the score for you know Utah, Utah State, and for the Utes each game as well as two other national games each week. And it really gives you an in-depth, you know, reason to to watch some of these other games. I we haven't picked the schedule for week one. We're probably going to skip Utah State's game at UConn just because it's part of the week zero thing, and it kind of throws off our our jam. But uh, well, I mean, I can almost guarantee you we're going to have Oregon's non-conference matchup with Georgia as one of our our uh, uh, national games. I haven't decided on what the other one probably uh, should be Alabama Texas. 
Uh, oh. That's actually week two. Oh yeah, so, you're right. It's week I, two. You know, I kind of threw it off. That is week two, but yeah, that will be one of our of our games for week two. But it's a, it's a it's a fun way. You come in, you guess the score. If you get the uh, if you get the right team, and uh, then we put you in a pool of people, and then we score based on the the closest to the score. With as many people as play, usually it's really close to. Uh, the actual score. Uh, sometimes it's a point or two off, but uh, you have a chance to win uh, really awesome gift cards from Golden West Credit Union. It's great to have them back as a sponsor this year. And, uh, you know, if you don't do well in week one, please come back for week two because it's the clean slate, right? You may not be in the running for some of the season long awards, you know, and that's fine. I mean, it's going to be really hard for you to be uh, consistent <laughs> as far as picking not only the winner, but the score for what 15 straight weeks plus a bowl season like that it, it's really tough but each week is a clean slate right like if you do horrible week one come back for week two try again and you know maybe you have better luck than me because i have not done very well <laughs> i mean i can usually get the team right but i have a horrible time picking scores the the, the games that i think are going to be low scoring end up being like 55 to 52 the games i think are going to be high scoring end up being six to three like you know hello alabama auburn you know like <laughs> we love it you know we, we do we do love it but do do come sign up we're probably going to launch it uh sometime next week so just uh stay tuned to ksl.com and we'll be sure to uh to update you on the podcast when it's officially live but we do love putting it together like rob said go check that out next week uh we're excited to to get there we're 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 happy that you guys are listening into this podcast and we're excited to eventually talk more football coming up this week we'll uh, do another episode where we uh actually uh get to talk more football so uh stay tuned we're, we're excited to be able to do this with you guys uh you know hit us up if you have any questions want us to talk about certain things um, but other than that thanks for listening and uh we'll catch you next time <laughs>